What's going on, everyone? We're going to welcome in Dave Koken, a very famous Las Vegas handicapper. You can find him on Wager Talk. Dave won the 2004 and 2006 Nevada Sports Captor of the Year. So, Dave, I want to start off by saying thank you very much and welcome in to another episode of Expected Bets 4. Uh, nice to be with you, Patrick. Perfect. All right. Well, let's get into it. So I know there's a lot out there uh, about kind of how you got your start in sports gambling. You grew up in Rhode Island. So I just wanted to kind of hear it from you on how you got attracted to this industry. Well, as far as sports betting goes, I've been around it my whole life. Yep. So I won't say it was forced upon me, but uh, it was just there. And uh, it always fascinated me, even as a little kid. Um, couldn't wait to bet, made my first bet. I, I think I was about eight, uh, and I lost it. I had five bucks on five bucks on, uh, the home team and, uh, the Providence Reds, the American hockey league team. I grew up down the street from where they played. And, uh, so immediately learned the first lesson, which is don't bet with your heart. Yeah. So in terms of, so your first bet was on, uh, it's AHL hockey, I believe. Uh, the Providence yeah. Reds. So was hockey kind of the first sport you started to get into, or was there other sports that kind of drew your interest right off the, uh, the bat? Well, ho- hockey was the dominant sport in my neighborhood mm-hmm. because we, I was literally two blocks and in Providence, they're not mile long blocks. I mean, it's a congested little city. And so two blocks was like a five minute walk from my house to, uh, the arena. And I was there all the time. Uh, including a lot of days when I was supposed to be in school. So, you know, I, I was around hockey to begin. I played the game not very well. Um, uh, but it, it's my fr- it's, I guess it's my first love, followed by baseball, which was the second most popular sport in the neighborhood. And so, you know, it was familiarity as far as that's concerned. Perfect. Yeah, well, okay. Well, starting to move along in your career, um, I read that you moved out to Las Vegas around the 1980s to start your sports handicapping business. I guess what kind of persuaded you, um, obviously, with your kind of introduction of betting at a young age and kind of your passion towards it, but what kind of made you want to take the leap of faith and kind of move to Las Vegas to start your business? I got arrested. I was really? a bookmaker. Wow. Yeah, I was a bookmaker. I was a bookmaker. And uh in no uncertain terms, it was made clear that uh, um, I either had to find another line of work or they were going to keep knocking the door down. So it's like, okay, I'll go to Las Vegas. And I actually came out here with the intent of just booking here. You know, I had telephones mm-hmm. and I could retain my, uh, my clients, if you would. But I entered a contest or I got invited to enter a contest. I don't remember how it worked. Anyway, I won the contest. And all of a sudden I had people who wanted my picks and uh, that got me started. Wow. That's, that's crazy a story how that happened. So I guess um, kind of your start in the business, you won that contest and kind of started giving out your picks as a professional handicapper. When exactly was your first radio appearance um, and kind of how did that lane or avenue open for you? Uh, I don't remember the exact year, but I was told that Lee Pete wanted to have me on his show, which was extremely popular out here. Uh, it was one of a kind. It was on 10 to midnight on Kadon, which was a 50,000 watt clear, uh, uh, clear channel and went to like 14 states and had a big audience because there was nobody else doing sports betting mm-hmm. at the time. So I went on Lee's show and we hit it off. 
So I started doing once a week and then twice a week, and then eventually became his co-host and that led into uh, other radio opportunities. So uh, when people ask me how I got started on the media and it's like uh, completely by accident, my whole life is a fluke. I mean, when I get asked for advice on how to get involved in this business or I, I don't know, I just got lucky. I, you know, I had galoshes on and stepped in a pile of it and it worked out pretty well. So I, uh, I, I can't really dispense advice because you can't, you can't do what I did. It's, it's basically impossible. I just got really lucky being in the right place at the right time. Yeah. I, wow. That's uh, it's truly an incredible story. Um, but yeah, I guess that went into my next question that you answered. Um, so kind of watching a, a lot of your interviews and even seeing you on the social media, kind of your presence right there. Um, one of the skills that you mention is kind of striking when the odds are at the most formal point um, and kind of predicting the line movement. Is this a skill that um, obviously it kind of takes years and years to acquire, but I guess, was there anything in particular that kind of helped you uh, kind of navigate this? Uh, and yeah, be a, yeah. Being a bookmaker. Yep. You That's learn, that. you learn, you just know the patterns after a while and they've, they're very predictable. It's, it's rare that I'll get surprised by line movement. I usually can, I mean, if, if, if handicapping were just predicting line movement, I'd probably hit 90%. Uh, unfortunately, of course it's not because they actually have to play these games, yeah. but uh, I'm usually, I'm usually going to get the right number. And that, I think it's in, instinct as much as anything. Uh, at least it is for me. And that's, you know, that's one from doing it this long. Um, it's, it's like, there's a hockey game. I, I played tonight. And I knew I was going to play it last night, but it was like this, I'm going to get, I'm going to get at least a nickel, maybe a dime better in the morning. And as it turned out, I got a dime better. So that's whether the game wins or loses doesn't matter at this point. At least I get the right price. Yep. And is, do you find this easier with some sports, especially the NHL or the MLB, or is this kind of just a um, overall just for every sport? It's overall. I mean, I could, if I was still following the NBA, uh, I could tell you which way the lines are going to move. Uh, I don't follow the NBA anymore. Um, but, but, you know, again, knowing which way the line's going to move doesn't guarantee success. You still have to be able to break down games and analyze them. And that's why I gave up the NBA because I couldn't do it. I never could. Never figured the sport out. I was strictly a 50-50 guy. Might as well flip a coin. Uh, and uh, so I just dumped it a few years ago. Um, which is from a financial standpoint, the business I'm in kind of stupid because the NBA sells like crazy, but fortunately I'm not in a position where I'm in great need of money. And I, I, uh, I'm extremely competitive. I don't like losing. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not a gracious loser. I never have been. And I hope that never changes. I get pissed off when I lose. It goes away after a few minutes, you know, you can't take losses with you, but, uh, if either it's a bad break or I got the game wrong. I'm not happy about it. Uh, I, I intend to win every bet I make. I'm not obviously not going to do that, but that's the intent going in. I'm not just betting for the hell of it. Yeah. And I think that's an awesome uh, characteristic that I think uh, has definitely contributed to your success in the industry itself. And I guess kind of one last question, just talking about this. Um, obviously the industry has changed a lot uh, in the oh. past few years with the legalization of sports betting. In well, years. it's not just that though. Where it's really changed is now it's, uh, it, it used to be all guys. 
it was all guys. And now we're seeing more and more women get involved, both in the analysis end and just the betting. I think that's great. So, and I think it's also helped pave the road to more states legalizing it because I think they would have had a tougher fight if it was just strictly males. Uh, but I, I, I think that objection is, is off the table now and the more the merrier. Yeah, I completely agree on your end. And I guess just kind of touching on that, is there any kind of new, I know social media, the introduction of social media has kind of also sparked the growth of uh, the sports betting, but is there any other kind of major changes besides the one you mentioned that you kind of see moving forward in the industry itself, uh, whether it's personnel wise or just kind of recent trends that you're starting to see? I guess live betting is going to become bigger and bigger by the day, by the day, month and year. With good reason, most people are absolutely horrible at it. Uh, I mean, really bad at it. So the hold is going to be terrific for the sports books. And uh, it's just going to make things even bigger. Whether it gets out of hand or not for some people, that's not my concern. Um, you know, I, I, uh, everything, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's booze, betting, food, uh, a certain percentage of people are going to have a problem with it. That's the way it goes. Yeah. And I guess, all right, one last question here then. Um, in terms of kind of your success in the industry, is it basically, uh, is it mostly based off personal experiences that you've kind of, that help you grow to the success you've had now? Or is there any sort of piece of information or advice that you got that kind of really helped you as well? No, I, I don't know that it's advice I got, but I certainly picked up on it quickly enough. Uh, get as much information as you possibly can. The more, the better. There's no such thing as too much information. You can weed out the information that's useless, but you want to get as much as you can. That means uh, you got to work at it. Uh, you can't just look at a game and say, well, I like this. Uh, or for me, I play trends or systems that, that to me doesn't, they're, they're all winners after the fact, but if you're backfitting stuff, uh, how far back does it go? And, does, is there any rationale that indicates why it works? So, uh, I think that my, my approach is, has never really changed. I'm, I'm a matchup guy. If I can't figure out the matchups, I'm, I'll move on to something else. That's why I don't do some, certain sports. I, yeah, I, don't, I don't understand a thing about them. So, and I'm, I'm, I'm too old to learn now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I saw the other day um, you had tweeted out, uh, your PGA picks has golf always been a sport that you have uh, wagered on, or is this kind of a more recent? Uh... Uh, go golf is uh, developed. Uh, I didn't used to, I used to play around with it, mm -hmm. but it was really tough to get the information I was looking for. Now it's not, uh, there, there's a load of sites where you can find statistics uh, that are meaningful. And uh, so golf is becoming bigger for me. And it's been, I mean, the last two years have been unbelievable at golf. I, I don't splash like a lot of guys. I'm, I've never played, I play strictly outrights at this point. I'm not that good at matchups. Um, and I don't think I've ever played more than four in a week. That's the max. Uh, and I'm, you know, I, I'm trying to hit a home runs in golf. Yeah. Unlike, unlike other sports where I'm grinding it out, I'm looking for home runs and fortunately hit one this weekend at the Puerto Rico open with Ryan Brent. 
Uh, I played him and uh, Josh Teeter. Teeter played well, uh, but Brent played really well. And uh, it was at least 50 to one. I got better than that, but 50 to one was easy to find. And that's two 50 to ones in three weeks because I had Joaquin Neiman uh, a few weeks back. So knock on wood, the golf's been real good. Wow. Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, definitely my biggest hit uh, this year was Seth Straka uh, two years ago. At nice. Yeah, last week at 140 <laughs> to one. So that you was- know, yeah, that's funny. I got to talk about that because I don't know whether I tweeted this out or mentioned it to somebody that, that I talked with on golf. Straka was one of the first guys I threw out in that tournament. Because what I was looking for, it's like this course doesn't fit his game. And he hadn't been playing all that well anyway. No. So I'd be curious, and I don't want to get into uh, exactly what your process is, but how in the world we could be that far apart where you actually bet on Straka in an event where I didn't think he had a chance. I, thought, I, I was surprised he made the cut. Yeah, no, going into the final day, for sure. I did not. Uh, Berger, I believe, had a four or five shot lead going into that day. I thought the tournament was wrapped up. Uh, For me, I think it was more, of course, history there, which Straka had been playing there. I believe he finished, I want to say, 32 or something about that before. And I was researching just kind of based off previous winners and just kind of seeing their uh, I guess trends going into the tournament of because it is such a wild tournament. It's one of those tournaments where long shots uh, have yeah. historically hit. Those so, are the but, tournaments I like. Yes, yes, I completely agree with that. I, I, for instance, this week, I mean, it's it's a superstar tournament, and you could maybe somebody deep odds is going to win, but it looks like one of those events where somebody who's pretty chalky is probably going to get to the winner's circle. And that's one of the determining factors going in. I, I try and map out a game plan each week in golf. And I, I won't say who I'm betting this week, but the one thing I decided in watching the Arnold Palmer, I mean, that was an absolute ordeal. Yeah. Every player who played the four rounds. So I decided that whatever I'm going to do this week at the players, I'm leaving off guys who played all four rounds at the Palmer, I don't know that they're going to have much left in the tank, to be honest with you. In the mental tank, physically, I'm sure they'll be fine. But mentally, I mean, that was, those guys had to have fried brains by Sunday night. That was tough stuff. Yeah, that's, I mean, that rough there, three inches thick, I believe, it's incredible. Um, It it was an absolute grind. And then even looking at the Honda before, uh, where Shane Lowry was coming down the stretch, looking to tie up Straka, it was pouring rain. Uh, So that was another uh, tough finish as well. And then you turn to this week, I believe the weather's calling for thunderstorms yep. on three of the four days, uh, moving forward Which means delays. Yep. So yeah, no. So I just pulled up my article, looking back at Straka, uh, on my reasoning. And so he didn't miss a cut in his last five. Um, he finished 27th in 2020 and thir- 33rd in 2021. But the main reason that I chose him was his compared to the field and looking at his rankings, he was 17th in T to green uh, and 22nd off the T. And I felt like that would have given him an advantage, especially where, uh, of course, the distance, all that doesn't matter, but it does at the same point where I believe we saw Bryson win last year. So I kind of yep. followed that model. Well, it worked out. That's for sure. 150 yes. to one's a hell of a score. I, uh, I have not hit 150 to one. I came close last year on Roger Sloan. Wow. He made it into a, a playoff. I had two guys in a six, six way playoff. And unfortunately the, uh, the two I had did not get there. Kevin Nah and uh, Roger Sloan. Sloan was 150 to one that week. So that, 
that one sucked. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's always tough when it goes to extra holes, and uh, especially a six-man playoff, that's almost unheard of. Um, and the thing is, Sloan, Sloan had a chance to win it in the first hole, and he just barely missed his putt. And uh, the next hole, uh, I don't remember who won it, but it was whoever I didn't have won it, and he birdied, and that was the end of the tournament. Was that the Wyndham where Kevin Kisner won? I'm not sure I don't if that's remember. the right tournament. I, tried yeah. to, I, I just remember that Na and Sloan were the two guys I had. Kevin Na was a lot cheaper odds, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, I, I didn't want to play. Last playoff I won was Matsuyama on Super Bowl Sunday a few years ago. It was the day that the uh, Patriots came back to beat the Falcons. And uh, I was at a party and <laughs> all the TVs are going out of the football game. And it's like, can you leave one on the golf? Cause I got Matsuyama in this playoff and I, you know, I got a lot of money at stake here. And uh, fortunately I knew the, uh, the manager of the restaurant and uh, he left one TV on the golf <laughs> tournament and, and Matsuyama got won the playoff. So that was, that was good. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. That was kind of similar to this year with the waste management uh, guy decided to do a playoff. I had Scotty Scheffler in that one as well. So uh, as they were turning on the TVs, exact similar story. I was still trying to watch the waste management on my phone, and uh, I was more concerned about that before the Super Bowl went off. So, yeah, that's very funny. But, yeah, no, the players this week should be exciting. And I think kind of like you said before, it's one of those events that heavily favors the chalk. Um, so I'm not sure that too much value is going to be on this tournament. But no. I look forward to uh, kind of watching your social media feed as the – tournament happens and kind of see where who you end up selecting so there's a good chance i'm just going to single one guy this week Mm -hmm. uh when i don't have a good feel i don't want to splash even three or four guys where i don't have a good feel at least for somebody who's who's priced uh, where i like i like them so i might single one of the favorites and hope he gets there and that would probably mean you could probably figure out that might mean colin marikawa it might mean Justin Thomas because neither one of them played this past week and they should be fresh. And they're both ready, really knocking on the door of getting red hot. So I would not be surprised if one of those two wins. But to me, it's pointless to play them both because you're not going to get a price on either one of them. No, I believe they're around 12 to yeah. 14 to 1 at this point uh, from when I saw this morning. But I guess just a quick golf uh, question. What are your thoughts on John Rahm? It seems like he's just struggled absolutely lately, especially on the greens. Um, yeah. The clip went viral this week of him missing a 10 inch putt. Um, well, that was an accident. Yeah. I mean, he didn't mean to hit the ball and oh. he hit the ball. Yep. But he's not, the flat stick has not been good for Rom, and he'll come out of it. I would be more concerned. And I bet him this past week, I Rory McIlroy, I've seen what I thought were signs in his last event that he was finally getting back to normal with his approach game. Uh, because he's been losing strokes like crazy and he'd actually been, it wasn't big, but he was a slight plus in his most recent tournaments. Like, okay. And he plays well on this, this course loves the layout has a great opening round and then falls apart. And he can't, he can't hit irons anymore. And I don't, I have a feeling that Rory is going to be moving to that second level of star because the young guys that are coming up, are sensational, and it might already be that Rory's best days are behind him. Uh, I'm not saying he's not going to be a really good player and a factor to win tournaments, and I think he could still be a big winner. But I think he's being bypassed, and I, at this point, would 
make the prediction that he will never be number one again. Yeah. I mean, especially given the young talent that's certainly kind of come on board as of late, I believe this week, I think four players can overtake John Rahm for the number one player in the world. Um, so yeah, I, I think definitely the revitalization of golf, especially with young talents, awesome to see. Um, and it's definitely headlined by obviously your call, your call Morikawa's. So that's exciting. And I know you said before, uh, earlier in our conversation that you don't usually bet matchups. Do you ever bet kind of placements, top 20, top 40, or is it strictly well, outrights? Okay. I go outrights and I'll tell you why. Um, if it were just me, I'd play a lot more top 10s, top 20s. But one of my rules is I bet, I sell what I bet at Wage and Talk. And if I start doing top 10s and top 20s, a lot of guys aren't going to be able to get them. And then you get a pissed off clients because I might say, well, I had another winner and the client's going to look at it and say, well, I couldn't even bet it. So uh, I try and stay with mainstream stuff. I don't give up player props because at this point in time, they're not all that easy to find and the limits are kind of low. Yeah. So I don't, I don't bother with that stuff. And uh, I, to me, that's, that's part of being in the business is you got to sell what you can, what everybody can play. And otherwise, I, well, it's just, it's just my way of doing things. Other people might find, I'm not knocking anybody who does it differently, um, but that's, that's my rule. Yeah. Well, that's very insightful to hear. And I completely agree. I mean, especially with the golf lines as of late, they move uh, within the hour, especially yeah. as soon as they're released on Monday. Um, so that was an awesome talk on golf. I look forward to the players this week. Uh, I'm sure you do as well. One of the best tournaments, but if it sounds good with you, would you want to go into some NHL right now? Yeah, sure. Perfect. All right. Well, I guess we can start with the earlier of the three games we got. We got the Florida Panthers traveling to Pittsburgh. Uh, game starts at seven. Florida's struggled a bit as of late. They won their last two versus subpar opponents in Detroit and Ottawa. Pittsburgh's coming off a loss to Carolina, but that was on a back-to-back Pittsburgh's definitely one of those teams that have kind of provided a spark for themselves in the second half of the season. Uh, in terms of the opening lines, Pittsburgh is a slight home dog uh, with the total set at six and a half here. I guess, do you have any initial thoughts on this game or kind of how do you specifically approach an NHL well, game? I don't, I don't think I'm going to be involved in this game. Yeah. Uh, I don't like Florida on the road. They're just not as good away from home as they are at home. And as for the Panthers, I, I think they're going to have to make a move at the deadline. They're not built to win the Stanley Cup. They're explosive as hell. And the goaltending might be okay with Bobrovsky. It might not be okay. That's something we'll have to wait and see. He can run hot or cold. Yep. But they don't play any defense. No. And as a rule in the Stanley Cup, checking gets a lot closer. Teams don't gamble as much. It's not as wide open a game that really doesn't suit the Panthers real well. The Penguins are probably built better for the postseason. Their goaltending is much better than I think most of us thought it would be. Jerry has become a, a really solid number one. And DeSmith, after playing very poorly early in the season, has come on strongly. Uh, and he was great in the Carolina game. They happened to lose it in overtime, but uh, uh, it wasn't DeSmith's fault. Uh, I think the Penguins, long term, are better suited to make a deep run 
this game, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it maybe you can make a case for a little value on the Penguins, but I don't know that it's a matchup I, I particularly like to bet on. I'm not a big, I, I'm not a big volume guy in the NHL. I'm, a lot of nights I'll just pass. So yeah, I have a lot of, I have a lot of leans, but I don't bet them. Yeah, no, I, uh, that was, you answered one of my questions, actually kind of moving forward. I was going to ask you, who do you feel like is built better for the playoffs, the Panthers or the Penguins? But yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh struggled with injury issues earlier in the year with Crosby and Malkin being out for a while. And their second, their depth scoring really kind of stepped up and provided them with a few key wins during the beginning half of the season that they kind of rode. Uh, Jerry rebounded well, like you said, from last year in the playoffs. He was almost the reason why they were eliminated yeah. because he was so bad and has now come back, made the All-Star game, and looks to be a, their number one, which was uh, kind of their main issue coming into the season. But I agree. I mean, Florida is definitely one of the powerful, most powerful in terms of offensive teams, if not the best. Um, they're completely loaded up front, but they have been giving up more goals uh, as of late, and they already rank 15th in goals against on the season. So it's definitely something they need to address moving forward. Um, yeah, and they're, they're also coming off a of back-to-back. -back. They take on the Sabres tonight, where it looks like Spencer Knight will be starting, who was recently recalled from the AHL. He's been hit or miss as well. Uh, he's, I know he struggled a little bit with Dreiger last year in the playoffs for them uh, when Bobrovsky was out. But, yeah, this is a tough one. I um, Looking at the preliminary lines, I'd say yeah, definitely lean the Penguins here. But uh, I guess this line will definitely move based on their matchup with the Sabres tonight. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but that is kind of my initial thoughts. I don't have any thoughts as to where yeah. that one's going to go. I think it might just – basically sit around where it is. Yeah. And then the total slightly juiced to the under at six and a half. Um, most of Florida's games kind of as of late has been around the six and a half, seven. Um, so I know that was kind of a recent trend we saw starting over a little over a month ago. Um, did you kind of expect that? Obviously it's been kind of the overs have been hitting at a higher rate this uh, season, but I, I, you know what? I, I, I haven't played in it. I don't, I don't play. I'm no good on totals mm -hmm. except in baseball. No good on them in football. No good on them in hockey. I don't even look at them. So you're strictly on the money line. What's that? You strictly just play the money line then. And I, I mean, I might do a combo where I'm a minus one, create a, create a minus one with a money line puck line split of some kind, but I stay away from totals. Um, if you can't beat them, leave them alone. Yeah, no, that's uh, definitely sound advice uh, that I think most people, especially as a better, you definitely have your strengths and weaknesses and definitely playing to those is a key for sure. Um, so, all right. Yeah, no, I think this should be an interesting game kind of in the seven o'clock slate. But with that being said, we can move on to the eight o'clock game, uh, the Rangers at the Wilds. The Wilds have been uh, horrendous as of late, two and eight in their last ten. But they're slight, their home favorites here against a Rangers team that's been red hot in their last 10. The Rangers are extremely well, uh, extremely talented on defense, on offense, not so much. They're pretty much carried by Shesterkin. Yep. Um, Wilds goaltending's been extremely volatile as of late with uh, Talbot uh, and Capo Kakinen. So, I don't know what your thoughts are on this game. I definitely look at the Rangers as having some value here, um, just given Minnesota's recent play. But I wanted to hear what your initial thoughts were. Uh, the Wilds suddenly need to win. They need a game. Yep. They're not playing well. They, they need this win. The tough part is you might, 
I mean, we don't know who the goaltenders are going to be, but Igor is a monster. Uh, he's, the, he's the best goal. You could make a really good argument that he's the MVP this year. I don't know. I don't think the Rangers are a playoff team without him. No, I, I think he should. I think he's definitely the Vesna front runner right now, uh, for sure. When looking at it, and yeah, I, I completely agree. He has been there, basically carrying their team. Right. Um, Who's been? Has there been anybody more valuable to their team? I, I mean, even Vasilevsky, uh, maybe. Guys. But I mean, that's that's the only other argument I can really think of off the top of my head. Uh, yeah. when looking at goalies. Uh, no, I'm talking the, the whole league. Play McMichael, everybody. Yeah, McDavid. Uh, I mean, McDavid. McDavid I mean, McDavid's obviously the best player in the league, but but in terms of value to his team, I, I yeah, he's I, just I amazing. Think... He's been amazing. He's for a guy with his level of experience. Yeah, he's 26, so he's not a baby. But for his level of experience, he's as advanced as I've seen since Ken Dryden. And that's going back a ways. Uh, it's just an amazing goalie. That said, I think the Wild are going to beat him tomorrow night. I think the Wild are going to take the – this is a desperate times approach game for Minnesota. They really need this one. And uh, I think they might be able to get it. And the line indicates to me that they might be the right side. This is, this is a tempting – it's going to be easy for betters to get on the Rangers here. Mm-hmm. When it looks easy to bet the dog, that's when I have a tendency to look at the favorite. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. This line is definitely um, feels like it's baiting betters to take the Rangers as well, just given kind of their team's recent performances. In terms of uh, kind of the goaltending for Minnesota, does either one uh, matter for you? Or is kind of by the line, or just the opening line is kind of indicated that Minnesota's the right side here? I hope for the best. Neither one of them is playing real. What Talbot's been terrible lately. Yeah. But. I hope they go with Talbot tomorrow night. It's his former team. He'll be fired up to face the Rangers, who kind of gave up on him years ago. And uh, maybe that'll get him going. But I think I think you're going to see Minnesota play a strong physical game tomorrow. And uh, we'll see what happens. Yeah. No, I, uh, I definitely agree on that point. Uh, I think it's going to be a hard-hitting game, especially the total set at six, uh, slightly juiced to the under as well which is definitely interesting given the Rangers past few games where their total has been set around five and a half. Um, so I think with Minnesota's goaltending issue, it moved it to six and kind of the amount of goals against that they've been giving up as of late, but we can move on to our final game of the night where the Washington Capitals travel to Calgary to take on the red hot flames. The flames are absolutely unbelievable, but they will be coming off a tough game against Edmonton tonight in the Battle of Alberta. Flames uh, are home favorites currently right now with the over-under set at six. So this is a tough one for me. I mean, obviously the Battle of Alberta between the Flames and the Oilers is always a tough physical game. Uh, So the Flames are going to be a little bit battered coming into this matchup tonight, but they're clearly the better team. So I wanted to hear your thoughts on this game. I don't have any because I got to watch tonight's game and make a judgment coming out of that. Don't know who's going to be in goal. Uh, I'm guessing it'll be the backup tomorrow um, who played well. I mean, he beat Colorado, Yep. but you know, it might not be the best spot for Calgary. The flip side of it is they're on fire. I mean, the team's playing great hockey right now. 
Uh, I think the Avalanche are still the better team, but you'll have trouble convincing Flames fans of that, especially coming out of the result in Denver over the weekend. And uh, I want to see what happens tonight in the Edmonton game. I mean, this might be a spot where you can say, well, they're coming off that big game against Colorado uh, and Edmonton offers value tonight. I think normally if we're another opponent, I would say yes, but Calgary's 0-2 against the uh, Oilers this year. Pretty sure they want this one. That is as heated a rivalry as you're going to find in any sport. So I want to wait and see how tonight's game plays out before I make uh, any kind of a judgment on what might happen tomorrow. Washington's been better on the road than at home lately. So there's that. Yeah, no, I think um, Mark Storm's getting the start tonight uh, for Calgary versus Edmonton. So it looks like Vladar will get the start tomorrow. Uh, We'll go up again. Maybe. Yeah. You think we don't know because they've gone back to back with Markstrom. I think it depends on what his workload's like tonight. If he faces 20 shots and it's a soft game, I wouldn't be surprised if he's right back out there tomorrow. Uh, I I have no idea, but uh, that's why you wait for goalies in the NHL. It's uh, let's put it this way with the wild. um, That one, you can assume Chesterkin. If he doesn't go, then you got a bargain if you bet, bet the wild. So that might be better to jump in early on Minnesota if you like them. On the other hand, if you like the Rangers, you've got to wait to see that Chesterkin's play tomorrow because the difference between him and his backup is huge. And it's, it's probably 20 cents in the line. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree with that point too. Uh, that's definitely one of the biggest gaps in terms of talent between a starting goaltender uh, with the Rangers, especially the flames have two solid goalies. So I guess that's not really a major issue there. Uh, we're looking at the caps. I know Vanacek and Samsonov have kind of both struggled as of late Vanacek coming off an injury, um, struggled a bit. So, and so is Samsonov. So we'll see. That's a no, I think they're a nowhere team. I, I, I guess they'll make the playoffs. And I, I don't think they're, they're going to be around long. They're not that good. I think the window's starting to close for Washington. Yeah, I agree. And they have a 10 point lead uh, for the second wild card spot yeah. right now. So it looks like they will get in. Um, but again, yeah, I agree kind of what you're saying before. There's just a lot of teams that are built better for the playoffs. Um, they don't have the goaltending to kind of carry them before. And they're just not as uh, scoring wise. They just don't have the depth, especially to make a late push for the caps. No, but you know, look, they won a cup. So mission accomplished. Yeah. If you win a cup with your core, that's great. If you win more than one, that's, that's amazing. But they got what they wanted to out of this crew and anything at this point is gravy, I suppose. Uh, but I, I think the caps front office is probably looking at the roster and saying it might be time to start thinking about at least a little bit of an overhaul come off season. Yeah. Start to kind of initiate that rebuild process, move some key pieces around. I know Ovechkin's getting up there in age. Uh, yep. I know a few other, other key pieces as well are kind of getting up there. But perfect. Yeah, well, that's all I had today in the NHL. And I want to thank you again for coming on. I guess before you go, do you have any Stanley Cup futures place as of now? Or do you have a pick? I, I, don't, I don't bet futures anymore uh, on uh, championships because you're basically not getting any value with any of them. Unless you're going way down the list and get lucky. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's gone. Years ago, there used to be some, but the books got hit really hard on a couple of big prices back around the turn of the century. And ever since then, they, they, you don't get big prices anymore. So I look for, if I like a team, I'll go over and under points or wins or whatever. Uh, and I've got one 
in play this year, which I, I bet the Golden Knights under, I think it was 106 and a half points. So I'm well ahead of pace on that one. And that's all I've got riding as far as the futures go. And as far as who's going to win the cup, well, I can tell you is Colorado's the best team. Whether they win it or not, who knows? The Golden Knights knocked them out last year and I thought they had the best team. So the playoffs in the NHL are a strange animal. Anything could happen. And last year we saw it. The worst team in the playoffs got to the finals. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that statement. Yeah, the, uh, the, the Canadians went on a very special run carried by Kerry uh, Price himself in that one and were clearly outmatched in the finals compared to Tampa Bay. It looks like they have another shot this year at returning to the cup, especially given the Eastern Conference teams um, and that as well. But in terms of the West, I agree. I think Colorado's got a pretty clear shot at or, or should have at but, least. But, they, but the, the one worry, they got to start winning some big games. I mean, I thought the Calgary game, I didn't bet it, but I thought the Calgary game on Saturday was a big game. They lost it. Um, for all that talent, there's still that one question mark about can this team win when the chips are down? They haven't done so yet. I'm not so sure they will in the playoffs this year, although I think on paper they're the team to beat. Yeah, I completely agree with that too. Um, their physical play too is definitely always an issue when it comes to playoff time as well. And we'll see if Kemper can kind of turn the season around. He has so far, um, but we'll see. Goaltending has always been an issue for them, especially when it comes to playoff time. So, We'll see what Colorado can do this year. But again, I just wanted to thank you for coming on the podcast today and sharing some insight into your life and kind of talking some golf and hockey. This has been awesome. And I know most people um, know this already, but for any new listeners, uh, where can they find you? On Twitter, at Dave Koken uh, and at wagertalk.com. I'm exclusively with them now. Uh, I like the company and... Uh, uh, they're doing great things and very happy about that arrangement. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Dave, I want to thank you again for coming on. This has been another episode of Expected Bets 4. Thanks, everyone.